whether it was a big gathering or a small gathering, each one here had a good Thanksgiving. And I'm just curious to ask today when you go home for lunch, who's still eating leftovers? All right, I'm going to take note because you're the one that put out a big, big, big table. I need to go to your house next year because there's so much left. I, I think we have a few leftovers that we'll probably enjoy a little later on today. I hope you had a great time, but here we are, kind of in that transition moment, kind of lingering Thanksgiving and turning our thoughts towards uh, the holiday, the, the Christmas season. I, uh, I was kind of pleased, uh, this is so silly, but I was pleased with myself that I found a graphic for my title slide that kind of looked like Christmas lights, but still Thanksgiving colors. So kind of helping us ease from one towards uh, the other. And so I'm just thankful to be here, uh, be here with you today. So I'd like to pray, so uh, let's pause for just a word of prayer. Our Father in heaven, thank you for this moment um, <clears throat> where we kind of stand in that, that transition time where we were remembering, where we had an occasion that kind of invited us to, to uh, think about all the good things you've done for us, Lord, uh, to count our blessings, and, and yet we move into a different element of focus where we're just enjoying the, the thought or the time where we think about the greatest blessing we've ever received in you, Jesus. And so, Lord, I just want to ask for your Holy Spirit to, to infill this place, that each person here today, that the word that you have for them, that, that they would be able to receive it. To that end, Lord, open our ears, give us ears to hear, and, and, and the gift to uh, spiritually kind of be attentive uh, to, to listen and to focus in that way. Lord, more of you and, and less of me, I pray. And I'm just asking, Lord, that the, the time we spend here in these next few moments would prove to be very fruitful for you and your kingdom. In your name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> there are many psalms in the book of Psalm that are well-known, kind of popular well-worn territory, and there's a lot of psalms that we don't visit very often. And I want to take you to Psalms 105 for just a few moments this morning. Psalms 105 is, is thought to be from the pen or whatever quill of the King of David, uh, King David, but we don't know that with certainty, but it just feels like in style that it's probably a psalm of King David. But even though we don't know exactly who wrote it, we can readily see with certainty what message and meaning it is presenting. I thought today, just as a collective, if you wouldn't mind, I'd like to invite you to read out loud uh, the, the verses that you see on the screen. Uh, please, read out loud along with me. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, call upon His name, make known His deeds among the peoples, sing to Him, Sing praises to Him. Speak of all His wonders. Glory in His holy name. Let the heart of those who seek the Lord be glad. Beautiful verses. And I just want to draw your attention to a couple of things that I think speak very timely to kind of where we're at in this particular moment. First of all, notice in the, the, the three verses on the screen that there is an invitation uh, to give thanks to the Lord and to do that with a glad heart. Uh, he starts, oh, give thanks to the Lord, call upon His name, and there at the last of verse 3, and, and let those that are doing this, that are seeking to kind of give thanks to the Lord, do it with a glad heart. 
Church family, it is good to be thankful. One of David's often repeated phrases that he, that he uh, writes in many different psalms, and maybe you're familiar with the kind of the, the it will ring uh, common to your ear, but one of his favorite phrases was, Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His love endures forever. This passage is calling upon us to be thankful and to do that with joy. His love endures forever. But it's speaking something a little more than just that. This passage calls upon us to be more than just internally grateful, but to express that internal gratitude, express it outwardly in words of thanksgiving. You, you see it in the verse. It says, make known his deeds among the people. Express what he has done for you. Make it known, not just being glad and grateful inside, but let it be expressed out of you. Be grateful, make it known. Sing to him as an outward expression. Speak of all of his wonders. Speak what God has done for you. So don't just have internal gratitude, but let it come out in expressions of thanksgiving. The Word of God compels us to not only count our blessings, but to share those blessings as well. In a few moments, I, I want to give space in our worship time to do this very thing, to count and to share but first, let me just offer a little moment of uh, perspective. Sometimes we lose perspective about God's blessings in our lives. Uh, we just live in so much blessing that those blessings become kind of just commonplace to us and we forget that so much in our life that is just everyday simple things are actually meaningful, abundant blessings from God. And when we begin to lose that perspective, it makes it harder for us to count the blessings because we're not recognizing the blessings. I stumbled upon a, a, a little video clip, uh, and some of you I'm sure have seen it. Hopefully, many of you have not, but I found a little video clip uh, that was put out by a, a, a Christian church in Charlotte, North Carolina called Forest Hills South Park Church. And in this little video clip, it's just the portrayal uh, that, in, in a very lighthearted, fun way, that, that some of our simplest blessings of everyday life are something that's actually gifts from God. It's couched in the idea of Christmas presents. And, and so I, I just want you, the, the lights will probably drop down a little bit here. I just want you to see this about a two-minute video clip that just is a perspective clip on how counting our blessings of the everyday things of life. Enjoy this. I'm alive! I'm alive! Yeah? Yeah! Oh, yeah! Hey, Christine! You're here too! I love you! I know! Dad! What's happening? Honey, the power works! Ah, shoes. 
Oh, what do we got here, guys? Food. Mm, I love food. What? A food food? Are you gonna have work? This is awesome. that and I'm glad that you did as well but yeah just a little perspective video that some of the common everyday things of life just electricity water a car how many of you are trying to think what kind of car is that were you thinking what kind of car is that and so just that video I, I enjoyed it it's a, a perspective shift listen complacency uh, and or or a, a sense of entitlement it, it's really the enemy of recognizing God's good blessings in our lives and consider some of these thoughts just as a way to kind of shift perspective for just a few moments. Consider this. Listen, if you have a house to clean, it means you have a safe place to live. If you have sinks and showers and toilets that need your constant attention and cleaning, it means you have indoor plumbing. And that's a good thing. If you have a, a constant flow of laundry to do, what that means is you have clothes to wear and a family who's wearing them. That's a good thing. If you get weary of going grocery shopping, don't lose sight that the fact that you can go grocery shopping means that you have some funds to buy groceries and there's food available to you to buy. If you have dishes to wash, it means you've had food to eat. And when your budget seems tight, and it just barely covers the expenses, remember that others have no budget to work with, and they fall further behind every single month. And when your job is, is frustrating, or difficult, or it's really, really challenging, remember that an unemployed person would love to have your job. And when your children are driving you nuts, remember that there are couples who can't have children and they would love to be in your shoes. And if a, a genuine smile, a genuine smile easily comes on your face, remember that there are people that are struggling, that are grieving, that are deeply depressed, that would give anything for a genuine smile to be able to come on their face. It's good to stop and shift perspective and count the blessings. Listen, the Word of God has told us that we are to give thanks to the Lord and we are to speak those things that He have done. It's an act of worship. So like I mentioned a few moments ago, I want to give space in our worship to just share for a few moments with one another. And it will sound different in our sanctuary than is typical, but that sound is the sound of spoken gratitude to what God has done, His good blessings. It is the sound of worship. So here's what I want to do for just a few moments. 
If necessary, move just a little bit. Find a very small group. Please make sure that no one is left without a little group around them. And I want you to take a moment to just speak some of the blessings of God. And if you can, uh, be specific. In other words, move beyond what is expected or kind of common. For example, most all of us here today could easily say, I'm just thankful for family. But I'm encouraging you to not just say, I'm thankful for family. It's true, it's a good thing. But maybe try to move beyond that and think for just a moment, who in my family am I thankful for? A specific individual in my family, and why am I thankful for that particular individual? And so instead of just saying, I'm thankful for family, maybe something more along the lines is, I'm, I'm thankful for my grandmother. She's always so loving and kind and wise. that She just means a lot to me. So move beyond what's kind of the, the cliches and maybe come up with something a little more specific. So what we're going to do is I'm going to invite you to have just a few moments, five minutes, in fact, to just truly five minutes. I'm going to have a timer on the screen. It's going to count down five minutes. And so watch that timer and make sure that each person in your small little gathering has just 30 seconds or one minute, whatever the case may be, to share. Listen, if this is intimidating for you and it's just this is just out of my comfort zone, it's okay. Just be in the circle. Enjoy the moment. No one is forced to kind of say something out loud. I don't want to put a, an awkward situation. But could you take that for a moment to worship the Lord by speaking of His goodness Find some people near you and take some time to worship God in this way.
thank you for thank you for offering your worship to the Lord in in that particular way. Uh, I'd like to pray to just kind of transition transition out of that special time. So, Father in heaven, Lord, I pray that all these words, all these spoken appreciations of your goodness have been pleasing to your ear. Lord, help us to truly know how to count our blessings and to do better at sharing them in every possible way. In your name we pray, amen. So today, indeed, we're thinking about both counting our blessings and sharing our blessings. And one of the ways we share the blessing is exactly what we just did together, just by by speaking them, by verbalizing them to others. Not only does it anchor the gratitude in our own heart by, by speaking them out loud, uh, but it encourages the hearts of others. But there's another way of sharing God's blessings that is equally important and perhaps falls on even the more kind of real, pragmatic, practical side of life. To share that other way of share, or to communicate that other way of counting and sharing, I want to take us to the book of Acts in chapter 16. There's a little moment here in chapter 16 where we read of Paul receiving a vision in the night from God. And the little clip just reads this way. A vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man in the vision, this is what he sees. A man of Macedonia was standing and appealing to him saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. When Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So somewhere in kind of the flow of of Paul's second missionary circuit, we kind of define Paul's travels in, in three different journeys, if you will. And somewhere in the midst of that third journey, Paul is sleeping in the night and he receives this vision in which a man from Macedonia is saying, please come and help us. And Paul recognizes that this was not just a strange dream, it was a message from God. He heeded the call, he got up with a small little band, and they traveled almost immediately, it seems, to go to the Macedonian region. And there in the Macedonian area, they begin to share the gospel, beginning with its major city, uh, Philippi, Then they went to Thessalonica and to Berea, kind of in that region. And as they shared the gospel, the good news of Jesus, the Messiah, and salvation, the people there, many of them, embraced the good news of Jesus with joy. Lives were being changed by the grace of God. And a strong church presence rose up in the joy of the Lord to continue to share the gospel. Now, correlated to that, is a little account in the book of 2 Corinthians written by Paul. I want to draw your attention to a kind of a connection in the writings of Paul. Before we go there, let me share this. So Paul's ministry had radically blessed people's lives in Macedonia. It was successful. Great things through the Holy Spirit power were taking place. So this stop in the Macedonia, this second part of the, the second kind of circuit of his missionary travels, it seems that it began in Judea, Jerusalem, and it was a long journey, and it would conclude in Judea, Jerusalem. And during this time period, the Christian believers in Jerusalem, Judea, were having a very difficult time. They were suffering under terrible persecution. You see, 
as the believers there in Jerusalem, Judea, as they would say, I believe that Jesus is the promised Messiah. He is the Savior. And I receive that message and I align my life with Him and I become a follower of Jesus. When they would do that, the Jewish nation would cut them off from society. Not just social society, but the economic society. And in that cutting off by virtue of their profession of Jesus, they put themselves into difficult circumstances that led to poverty and and hunger and suffering and pain from loss of relationship for the name of Jesus Christ. But it was beyond that. During this same time frame, persecution from Rome really broke out against Christians. What had taken place was a fire had been set ablaze and it swept through Rome and it was extremely destructive, destroying structures, but more importantly probably it inflicted a blow upon the Roman economy. And the emperor of the day was Nero, a terrible violent man. And some would say in history he was the one responsible for these fires. But in the fallout that the fires created, Nero put the blame on Christians. And in that, not only was there persecution from stepping away from the Jewish kind of culture, as it were, but now they were also under great persecution and oppression from Rome in general. And this is really when martyrdom and and, and threat of life and arrest and terrible things took place. And so, as Paul set out on these journeys, in this particular context, the people in Jerusalem, the believers in Jerusalem, they were having a very, very difficult time. They were suffering for the name of Jesus, and it was a very, very desperate situation. And so Paul, as he's making these missionary tours... He's kind of sending out some advance notice saying, listen, as I come, I'm trying to collect some resources that I can take with me back to Jerusalem to help alleviate some of the suffering that is going on there. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, we have this little moment where Paul is writing, and and I'll try not to, to lose me on this, Paul is writing to the believers in Corinth, but what he's writing about is a testimony of the generosity of the Macedonians. Specifically, the Macedonians living in Philippi. He's sharing their testimony of their generosity with the Corinthian believers. And it reads this way. Now, brethren, we wish to make known to you the grace of God which has been given in the churches of Macedonia, that in a great ordeal of affliction... Their abundance of joy and their deep poverty overflowed in the wealth of their liberality. For I testify that according to their ability and beyond their ability, they gave of their own accord, begging us with much urging for the favor of participation in the support of the saints. And this not as we had expected, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and to us by the will of God. A powerful testimony of generosity. 
I want to share with you, and really quite quickly, just four little uh, observations, little not to me not important, but just simple observations straight from the passage that we just read. The first observation from verse 1 is this, that what happened in Macedonia was a product of the outworking of the grace of God changing the hearts of men and women. He says, now brethren, we wish to make known to you the grace of God which has been given in the churches of Macedonia. In other words, what I'm about to share with you, Paul says, it's all because of the grace of God. And indeed it was. This whole little storyline in Scripture is very much activated by the life-changing, saving grace of God. It was God's grace that called Paul to Macedonia in that night's vision. It was by God's grace that they were equipped and supplied to be able to make that journey to Macedonia. It was by God's grace that the Macedonians were ready and receptive to the gospel message and they received it with such joy. It was by God's grace that their lives were being deeply impacted and changed. And the point of Paul's testimony here, it was God's grace that produced in these people generosity and liberality. So the first thing I want you to observe is this. When God's grace is present in a person's life, that life changes. And one of those changes is it, is, it produces a generosity in the heart of that person. Moving on, another observation is this, that they made no excuses. From their affliction and poverty, they gave with joy and liberality no excuses. That in a great ordeal of affliction, their abundance of joy and their deep poverty overflowed in the wealth of their liberality. Listen, the people of Macedonia, they were struggling as well. We overlay timelines in history and we discover that they had just come through three significant wars fought on their land for control of their land as Rome fought invading empires for power. And in the fallout of these conflicts, the people of Macedonia, they themselves were living with a lot of pain and suffering and poverty and affliction. And the text intimates that. They were in themselves a great ordeal of affliction in a deep poverty. And yet, they were so overjoyed by the grace of God working in their lives that they gave, not from their affliction, but from joy. They gave not from a place of poverty, but with liberality. The people there, they were so impacted by God that in spite of their own personal sufferings, they joyfully and liberally gave to others. They had good reason to make excuse. But they responded not with, I wish we could, because of our situation, we really can't. They responded with, yep, that's our situation, but they did what they were able to do. So that second observation is this. They made no excuses, but with joy they gave. In verse 3, there's another thing to observe and it's simply the note that says they gave out of their ability and some even beyond their ability. Paul says, I testify that according to their ability and beyond their ability, they gave of their own accord. 
the Macedonian people gave from their resources. And it says most gave according to their ability. And, and if we have it right, their ability probably wasn't that profound. But they gave from their ability. And it seems that some gave beyond what their resources would suggest that was possible for them to give. And, and of course, Paul doesn't give us any kind of dollar amount attached to their giving. It, it really wasn't about how much. It wasn't about a, 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 an actual monetary figure. Their gifts were abundant because they gave what they were able to give and they gave a little bit more. And they did it of their own accord. The impulse of the grace of God is what compelled them to give. There was no compulsion. They didn't say, listen, if you want to be a beneficiary of the good gifts of the grace of God through Jesus Christ, then you need to give. None of that silliness was taking place. It was their own accord. And so the observation I want you to see is they gave, they gave as grace empowered them to give. No no hard campaign, no hard sale, no manipulation, just, just a reaction to God's grace, generosity. And then finally, in the last two verses, another observation. And they considered this a privilege to give. Begging us with much urging for the favor of participation in the support of the saints back in Jerusalem. And this, not as we had expected. Paul says, this caught us off guard. But they first gave themselves to the Lord and to us by the will of God. Isn't that amazing? The believers there in Macedonia, they could have rightly, rightfully requested assistance for their own needs. But in a truly selfless act, they, they not only gave liberally, but it seems that, that they were giving more than Paul thought was wise to give. It's almost the sense that Paul was kind of saying, listen, you have, you have been so kind, you've been so generous, you have given from your affliction, from your poverty, enough, it's okay, please. And they begged Paul, saying, don't shut down our generosity. Please don't deny us the privilege of participating and giving to help our brothers and sisters that we've never met, that we just became part of the family don't limit our joy in order to send some help to help them. And so the observation I want you to see is that these believers recognized the privilege of giving. And so there's four quick observations from this little account in Scripture. God's grace produces generosity. It's one of the outworkings of the grace of God in your heart and mind. And they made no excuses, though they could have. They seemed to not have made any excuses, and they just did what they were able to do. They gave out of their ability, and they considered giving a privilege. Now, a few verses down, there's a verse that I want to share with you in a moment where the passage kind of jumps from the, the words or the account of history and it kind of then intersects with our life right here, right now, today. You see, Paul was telling of the Macedonians' generosity for a reason. He was speaking the good things of God, but he was speaking it for a reason. And I think his reason was to give the Corinthian believers an example 
of grace-empowered generosity. And before I read to you verse 7, I want to provide with you just a a little bit of context. And, And here it is. The region of Corinth in that day and time was experiencing relative success and prosperity and wealth. The Corinthian believers were, they were not living in a war-torn land. They, they seemingly weren't suffering heavy persecution. And they weren't struggling in the midst of a broken economy. In fact, the opposite seems to be true. Relative to how the other Christians were kind of experiencing life, the Christians in Corinth seemed to be living quite well. And they had plenty of resources. And they were living in relative abundance. In fact, A year earlier, verse 10 of the same chapter, a year earlier it would seem that Paul had passed through and he appealed to them to prepare themselves to to give support for those that were suffering so terribly back in Judea, Jerusalem. And initially, they seemingly had expressed a willingness to give. Yes, yes, we want to help. We want to give. But that initial impulse had kind of lost momentum. And Paul is sharing this testimony of the generosity of the Macedonians to kind of, I think, reinvigorate their initial willingness to give. And so in verse 7 and 8, the Bible reads this way. Paul spoke these words. But just as you abound in everything, see they were doing well, but just as you abound in everything, in faith and utterance and knowledge and in all earnestness, And in the love we inspired in you, see that you abound in this gracious work also. You're abounding in so much, abound in generosity as well. I'm not speaking this as a command, but as proving through the earnestness of others the sincerity of your love also. Paul is very careful. He says, look, I'm not making this a requirement to be in the blessings of God. But I am compelling you that in all the fullness that you are receiving, experience the fullness of generosity as well. I'm telling you what the Macedonians need because it's a testimony of the love that they have for God and I know that's the same love you have for God. And so he's sharing this. I think the thought progression is this. If the Macedonian believers who live in affliction and poverty have responded to the needs of others in such a powerful and liberal manner, then certainly you who live in relative peace and wealth ought to give to others that much more. Do you see where it starts to intersect with our lives today? Paul pointed out that the Macedonian believers had given out of A grace-empowered sense of gratitude and generosity. And Paul's just inviting the Corinthian believers to follow in that good example. So Paul, inviting them to recognize, to count their blessings that they have so much. And by comparing themselves to those that were living in far greater hardship, count your blessings. Listen. When a person realizes just how blessed they are by God and His grace, when an individual such as you and I realize that God has met really our every need, both spiritual and material, when we realize that God has saved us by His grace and that grace is actively working in our life, when we really grasp that 
that we live in abundance in the provision of God. When a person just like you and I who are trying to follow Jesus, when we really begin to realize just how truly God has provided for us, it ought to invoke in our hearts a a deep sense of gratefulness. And that deep sense of gratefulness should shift our thinking and our attitudes. And in the case of here, 2 Corinthians, the attitude change being called for is to move from, from apathy to action. They had wanted to give, but they had not followed through. And Paul's saying, stop being apathetic and, and act upon your original intent to give. The attitude change is moving from doing nothing to doing something, from not just counting your blessings, but to sharing your blessings. I know this is somewhat of an assumption, but I think it's a generally true assumption that we living here in this area, in this day and age, in our society, that we are a people that should exhibit this same grace-empowered generosity. In my church family, we live in relative peace and safety. I need you to think globally, not just locally, globally. We live in peace and safety. Not perfect, but so much more than so many others. We're not suffering the full idea of persecution. It may happen in small ways, in some ways, in difficult moments, but our lives are not under constant threat just because we're following Jesus. We live with certain freedoms and protections. And, and from a global perspective, and I'm not trying to diminish, I know there are people in our church right now that, that when it comes to your financial picture, it's, it's pretty tough right now. And I'm not trying to diminish that in any way, shape, or form. But from a global perspective, none of us are really living in poverty. Even those among us that is having a really difficult time right now, comparatively to a global reality, we're actually quite well off compared to so many people in the world. We've been blessed beyond measure. Blessed with material wealth, whatever that spectrum may be. Blessed with freedoms that are still in place. Blessed with access to abundant nutrition and and fresh water. Blessed with so many of just the basic things of life. And and that's just kind of the material kind of way of thinking. When we think about the spiritual, it's even more. We are blessed by God's grace. We have been forgiven so much. We have been cleansed from so much. We have a spot being prepared for us in heaven even now. Church family, It is good to take moments to try to fully realize just how grateful we should be. To take moments and to realize once again that that every good thing in my life, every good thing as God defines good things, every good thing according to God's understanding of good things, all of it has come down as a perfect gift from above from the Father of lights, James chapter 1. So church family, don't only count your blessings, but take the next step and share your blessings.
God is telling us through His Word that He calls us to be generous with what He has given. That, that we are to generously respond to His grace that has been given freely to us. We are to be responsive to that with generosity of heart and resource. That we're trying to, to put away excuses that we use to deny generosity. Most of those excuses rooted in fears. Legitimate fears, but fear nonetheless. And, and that we are to give as we are able. And that we are to give to others and to count it a privilege. To have the attitude to say, oh, no, 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 don't prevent me from giving. It is my joy and privilege to be able to, to give And it does not matter what amount is given. It's the joy of the giving. So listen, it's a a great time of the year. It it is a time that's filled with family and friends and and holiday gatherings, a time with celebration and special opportunities, uh, lots of music and lots of joy and laughter. Unfortunately, this time of the year has also become highly materialistic with excessive shopping and spending. I I saw a little meme yesterday that says, on Black Friday, stay home and save 100%. (laughs) But listen, I'm not suggesting that that you don't purchase gifts for the people that you love. It's It's a wonderful tradition to appropriately find gifts that communicate love and expression back and forth. But I would like to, again, compel you as you consider your giving during these holidays that you use some of those resources to help others who are desperately in need of a gift. Will you demonstrate to God your gracefulness by doing more than just counting your blessing, but sharing your blessing? And not just sharing verbally, but sharing tangibly with the resources that God has given We often share gifts with one another and the truth is none of us need anything. But there are people that desperately need basics in life. So I want to close today with a a few suggestions. There's no limit to right ways to express your gratitude to God through generosity. But I want to share with you today some suggestions on how you might choose to express your gratitude to God. Uh, even now, if I can have probably three or four individuals, um, our, our lead deacon today is in the hospital, so things kind of aren't as organized as they typically are, but, but if I could have uh, three or four people, I have a gift, there's an envelope I want to put in your hand today, and, uh, and I want it to, uh, thank you Josh, he's leading the way, Jackie, yeah, good, thank you Paul and Cliff, thank you for that, so, uh, and, and give one to, let's Run out of them. Give one to everyone and, and make sure the children get one too, please. Uh, there's something in that envelope specifically for the children. While those are being passed out, let me just quickly highlight some of the avenues of giving. First of all, do not miss the bulletin this week. In the bulletin is spelled out a number of ways that you can give. You see, we have people that kind of stand in the gap, as it were, between the haves and the have-nots, if you will. And because they stand in the gap, they they kind of provide channels for us that make it easy to take of our resources and to deliver it to where somebody actually really, really needs it. One of the ways that is very, very local is our own community service team. They do a powerful ministry that is right here, that is local, 
And if you look in the bulletin under number 7, there's very, very, very tangible ways to supply some basic necessities that folks need. And they are truly blessed. In this case, it's a list of toiletries at this moment. And so there's a very simple way. Even one bottle of shampoo is a generous gift to the community service program. And I, call, I encourage you to maybe consider that. Listen, I'm going to go through a variety of ways, not expecting that no one is able to do all of this. But the Lord will lay on varieties of hearts different things, and so lots of needs can be met. Another avenue of giving is what I mentioned earlier, the tuition assistance. Tithe envelope, tuition assistance. I won't kind of go back through that. I, I talked about it earlier. In the bulletin, number 10, there's still an open opportunity in a very timely circumstance to give to the Paradise Fire Recovery, our brothers and sisters down in Paradise, California, that lost so, so very much. So much of our Adventist brothers and sisters, because of the Adventist hospital created quite a dense community of our Adventist family, have lost so much that maybe that's where you can say, I want to express my generosity to God in that way. A tithe envelope, paradise fire recovery will send those dollars right in that direction. And then in our own church family, we have such a variety of ways where folks stand in the gap between ourselves and those overseas that truly have desperate needs. And we have just really a blessing. We have the Artigas family, a Filipino family in our church. I don't think they're here today, but they have a powerful and profound ministry in the Philippines. And they go there once a year and deliver resources collected here in our church family to help meet people's needs through education and otherwise. You can put on a tithe envelope a little gift saying, just write the word Philippines, and it will be put in their care. Aida Statham has a little fund in our budget for Central America, some of the school programs down there in El Salvador. And, and when money is given that she kind of collects and talks around a little bit, that money is given to her and she puts it through family directly to the need that is represented in, in, in that area. In fact, even a tithe envelope with the word Ukraine. We have a little budget where folks in our church that are associated with that community, Tatiana Tachenko is the one that kind of thinks about this, but some dollars are collected for individuals in the Ukraine, and you can give to Ukraine, and that money is given and straight over directly through family members to specific need. And finally, we have with Franklin and Boggy and Moses, the Fetch Ministry that sends resources straight to India uh, with no loss of value. <laughs> it goes from here to there, and truly, dramatically, just like the others, meets needs. And, and one, of the, one of the fun ways to do that is to just go eat, right? Next Saturday night, the Fetch International Food Fair, to, to come there and the dollars that you spend will all be delivered through Franklin and Bogiam straight to India, their education programs and many other different types of programs. And finally, I have just spent many, many years advocating for the ministry of ADRA. I'm not going to go through in, in big detail here, but I, I wanted to put this envelope in your hand. Um, if you didn't get one, there's a little stack still here left and, and certainly come up after the service. But if you look through this catalog, there's just a variety of concrete ways to give to people who are really in need through the ministry of ADRA. Um, ADRA is an Adventist Development and Relief Agency. And because the administration kind of levels of ADRA are, are kind of funded through other revenue streams in the church, it means that a large portion, like 
like 95 plus cents of every dollar given actually goes to the need that is being described as opposed to some other great organizations, but because of the way they're structured, about half of every dollar given is used in administrative costs and only half goes to the need. And so really it's a unique opportunity. In the middle of this uh, little catalog is a, a, a map of the world that indexes the different varieties of giving opportunities in the book. And so you can kind of look at the globe and say, I wonder what they're doing there, and turn to that page and kind of see some of that. Uh, and tucked inside that envelope is a little gifts, kids' gift catalog with very inexpensive little items that they can take part in. Uh, a neat one this year is, is just uh, $5. You can buy a, a piece of roofing. Basically, you buy a shingle. And uh, collectively, kids come together and they put a roof on a structure somewhere in the mission field. Moms, dads, grandmas, grandpas, aunts, uncles, whatever the case may be, I invite you to give children in your life five, ten, twenty dollars, open up catalogs like this and say, where would you like to use it? And give them a modeled experience of humanitarian charitable giving. Uh, I think it's a very meaningful thing to do. I think our Pathfinders are going to be doing it. Our primary class sometimes have done it. I don't, I'm not sure what the plan is this year, but I wanted to put this in your hands. On page 26, there's an opportunity that's very much in keeping with Christmas. And it's for $30, you provide uh, significant health care for a newborn baby. When Jesus was born, gifts came to help provide for that little family. Uh, in this catalog is the opportunity to send dollars that is used to provide the immediate medical care for little babies that are born and in need of that care. None of this is to suggest that you are not a generous church family. None of this is to suggest that you must in order to have access to God's good blessings. This, this church has demonstrated over and over and over again a true generous heart. And so I'm not sharing this to somehow scold or to guilt or to shame, not at all. I'm sharing this because I know your heart and I affirm that. And I just want to deliver to you encouragement that we continue in the grace of God to exhibit generosity. I want to close with one final quick question. Going back to the, the Macedonian believers who gave even though they were in their own difficult circumstances, the question I have is, do you think the Macedonians suffered because they gave with such liberality? I don't think they did. In part because the Word of God tells us this. One who is gracious to a poor man lends to the Lord, and the Lord will repay him for his good deed. Don't just count your blessings. But take the next step and share your blessings. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, Lord, my closing prayer is quite simple. I pray, though we'll never be able to quantify it, but I pray that the time spent here today will be abundantly fruitful and that people literally around this globe and even nearby will have some of their needs met to your honor and glory. In your name we pray, amen.